just back to uh, looking like, I guess, the team that, um, you know, in the non-conference and then, you know, the Marquette game, the Creighton game, uh, you know, at, at home, uh, we look pretty formidable. That was UConn men's basketball coach Dan Hurley following the Huskies' convincing 87-69 victory over Providence at Gampo Pavilion. You know they had $2 Miller Light night? $2 Miller Lights. That place was buzzing. I mean, there was some serious recycling going on after that game. If you're a student at UConn or a fan locally, I mean, why would you even go to Huskies? Why would you go to Ted's when you can get $2 Miller Lights at Gamble at the Condome? Now, there's a name that I thought they should have called it from day one. The Condome. Ladies and gentlemen, here are your Yukon Huskies. Welcome to the Condome. The world's most famous arena. I mean... Listen, that belongs to Madison Square Garden. But how about that coming out of the loudspeaker? Welcome to the condom. Did anyone ever think about that but me? Am I the only person? Anyway, let's talk about the team inside that dome. Because that was domination as UConn outscored Providence 50-37 to in that second half. In my opinion, this was UConn's best all-around performance of the season. Better than Alabama. Better than Marquette. UConn absolutely manhandled Providence. I mean, that is a very good Providence team. They are big. They are physical. They're the number one rebounding team in the Big East. Did you hear Ed Cooley after the game? He said they were soft. He said it was like, you know, you, you would see better performances at a CYO game. He admitted it. That loss was on him. That's what Ed Cooley said after the game. UConn plus 20 in rebounds. Hurley was saying he was hoping to be plus five. They out-rebounded Providence 40 to 20. And the Friars have dudes. Bryce Hopkins Ed Croswell. Seton Hall fans know about what Croswell and Hopkins did to them back in December. Bryce Hopkins, first team locket, right? First team all biggies selection. He's going to be a first round pick in the NBA. Had zero rebounds. Zero. Credit UConn. They dominated the rebounds. They doubled them up in points in the paint, 42 to 24. My math's not that good, but close enough. Jordan Hawkins, speaking of first-round draft picks, is playing like a first-round draft pick. He had 20 for the sixth time in the last eight games. Alex Caravan continues his quest to be the Big East freshman of the year. He had 16 and 8. Tristan Newton, another near triple-double. 12.7 rebounds, 7 assists. UConn has found its groove once again. They are sitting in fifth place. They are 10-7 and seven with three games to play. And look, I don't think they're, I think they're locked into the fifth spot because it's awfully tough when you're two games behind Xavier, Creighton, and Providence 
to try to make up those two games in three days. So if we're looking ahead to the Big East tournament and UConn's the fifth seed, right now you're staring at Xavier, Creighton, or, or, and please give me this, a rematch with Providence. This is becoming the rivalry in the Big East. Now that Jay Wright is gone, who is Villanova's rivalry, right? Because we saw Seton Hall and Villanova become an intense rivalry for several years. But I'm sorry. The fans, the arenas, the two coaches, Cooley and Hurley, the players that both programs are getting, they're getting four and five-star kids. The dunk is one of the most electric arenas in the country. It's perfect at like 12,000. UConn seats about 10,000. Both fan bases are absolutely bananas about their teams. And this to me is must-watch TV. Give me UConn and Providence one more time. And oh, by the way, the schools were only separated by 50 miles. So geographically, it sets up. And Ed Cooley, by the way, had a message to the UConn fan base after the game about the atmosphere at Gamble Pavilion and what could come. Here's Cooley. You know, it's hard playing on a road again in, in, in any game, you know. And this environment was as, as good as an environment that you have in college basketball. You know, these fans deserve a lot of credit. They willed their team today. You know, so again, the great job by your team did a good job getting all those people in here, you know, and for, you know, the many arrogant fans that are out there that don't think that this is one of the best New England basketball games. You know, Connecticut's been very fortunate to have some incredible teams and incredible coaches, and this fan base is extremely spoiled. Appreciate winning. Appreciate that. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's a reason why them dudes are in a Hall of Fame on the men's and women's side. Don't get arrogant with it. Appreciate it and try to get the next one. That's what an educated fan base appreciates, and that's what the Friars do. I'm sorry. Was that a little backhanded compliment by Professor Cooley? Was that a little dig? Ed Cooley, to me, is right there at the pantheon of head coaching press conferences. I love listening to him talk in press conferences. He's right up there with Tom Izzo in my book. I have a lot of respect for him and what he's done at Providence. And you know what? He's right. I grew up in Connecticut. I know what it's like when UConn was at the bottom of the Big East, when they were just trying to build up. All right? I can go name for name with Corny Thompson and Mike McKay, Carl Hobbs, Vern Jishkum, Bruce Kaczynski, Jeff King, Tim Cole, right? On and on. I know what those teams were like when UConn's fighting it out with Seton Hall and Providence for the basement in the early days. Okay. There are so many spoiled UConn fans. All they know is four championships in 16 years. The house that Jim Calhoun built, the program that the Hall of Fame coach built. I have a message, okay? 
they put up that sign in the student section that says, you know, something like, welcome to the capital of college basketball. Please, please. All right. Appreciate your national championships. Appreciate that UConn is even in the Big East. Okay. Because for years, let, let's go back to, you know, the years they were in purgatory in the AAC. And I was watching on TV when UConn's playing South Florida and Tulsa in the AAC tournament in front of 5,000 fans, all right? In a 16,000-seat arena. And they're getting 5,000 fans. 6,000 for your UConn Huskies. Was UConn the capital of college basketball then? They were forgotten. So don't suddenly put yourself up on this pedestal ahead of, you know, storied programs like Kansas and, and Duke and North Carolina, Indiana. I mean, those are the rich hubs. Yes, UConn has won more national championships. Appreciate those. They're worth gold. But don't suddenly call yourself the, the, the capital of college basketball. So I think that's where Ed Cooley was going there. But, man, UConn, Providence, these teams are very good. And don't think for a second that either one of those teams, you could have any one of five teams in the Big East win the Big East tournament this year. Marquette, Xavier, Creighton, Providence, UConn, would it surprise you if any of those five teams won? When was the last time you could say that? And all five of those teams are, are potentially second weekend teams. And it wouldn't, in the NCAA tournament, and it wouldn't surprise me if any of those teams got to an Elite Eight or a Final Four. UConn has settled the ship. They are back to playing UConn basketball. That second half, they held Providence to 39% from the floor. The fans were going bananas. Maybe the Miller Lights had something to do with that, I think. And Dan Hurley went out of his way in his post-game remarks to talk about how far this team has come and, and the grind of the Big East schedule when they were playing teams like Villanova and Xavier and Marquette and Providence and Creighton a brutal stretch and how that can bring down a lot of teams and grind you. Here's Hurley. You could get put in a blender in this league. If you catch the wrong schedule and, you know, I don't think the, you know, the league necessarily did us any favors. Um, you know, you get the home game versus, uh, versus Villanova uh, post Christmas, which, you know, uh, you know, you, which, you know, going in is going to be a tough game. And then you go at Xavier at Providence, Creighton at home and at Marquette. I mean, that, that put us in a little bit of a blender, and then, then you throw in the clunker versus St. John's. I obviously missed the Seton Hall game. I mean, things can, things can start to unravel kind of quickly if you're going on in, into these top five teams on the road, man. It's hard to, I mean, it's hard to win a game, and it, it was, would have been hard for anyone to come in with this type of crowd today um, and get a win. The crowd was incredible. And then Hurley was asked to follow up about the early pitfall and where his team is now. Yeah, we took a tough, tough stretch during a, a tough stretch. I, I don't know how many teams could have handled that. 
you know, obviously the St. John's game at home is still one that, you know, you're still trying to figure out what happened that day. But, um, you know, we, that, that schedule, I think, caught us. You know, and it's hard to have the clean sheet in a non-conference and then, and then do the clean sheet in, in, in conference play. I, I do think, um, you know, that we've got a chance down the stretch here to create that momentum into March, into these tournaments, and, and be a tough out for anybody. Yeah, look out for the Huskies. Like I said, any of the top five teams in the Big East can win the tournament. Now, unfortunately, UConn won't be playing any more games at Gampel. The Huskies have to turn around and play a tricky game on Saturday at Madison Square Garden against St. John's, a team that, oh, by the way, don't look now, has won three of four, including a win over Providence at MSG just a couple of weeks ago. That atmosphere is going to be electric on Saturday. And I'll be in that building. I can't wait to go to that game because you know there are going to be train loads and car loads of UConn fans coming down to the garden like they always do. Four, 5,000 strong. And you know the Johnny fans are showing up for this one as well. That will be some atmosphere. And St. John's is playing well. Andre Corbello is back from his hiatus, back from his coach's suspension. He looked pretty good against Georgetown, was causing fits with Posh Alexander. Look out. That is a tricky game for UConn. And speaking of great atmospheres, when you're talking about New Jersey college hoops, one of the loudest, one of the zaniest arenas in the Garden State is in Lawrenceville. Ryder University, they call it the Bronx Zoo. And joining me now on the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast is the head coach of the Ryder Bronx, Kevin Baggett. Coach, welcome to the pod. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So, Coach, your team currently sits in a, a second-place tie with Siena in the MAC. You're two games behind first-place Iona, four games to play. At one point, you were the hottest team in the conference. You won eight in a row, and then last weekend came – and, you know, you had two very close, very tight losses, one to Canisius and then one uh, double overtime thriller at Quinnipiac. You've had several days now to get over that and prepare for Siena. Where's your team now and how have you handled, you know, that success followed by that adversity? Well, for every loss, there's lessons to be learned from. Uh, you know, when you're on that winning streak, I think uh, these young men have to understand that teams are gunning for you. You have to practice even harder. Every detail matters. And uh, you, you can't not show up and be ready when you, when you have a maturity and understand that um, you are, you're not hunting anymore. Now you're the hunted. And so I didn't think last week leading up until this past weekend um, that we practiced nearly as well as I would like to uh, us to have. And I thought that hurt us. I thought that hurt us. I thought sometimes when you're trying to explain to your team, especially in our league, every team, you can be beaten by anyone. And that, that's every league. But our league is so tight right now that you have to show up every game. You got to be ready to go. And you you got to execute on both ends of the court. And I didn't think we did that nearly as well uh, as we did in that eight-game winning streak. And, you know, part of that, sometimes the ball bounces your way, things go your way. 
but yet you make some of those things happen. And I thought this past weekend uh, that wasn't the case for us. So where does your team now stand now mentally, physically, as you are approaching this game against Siena, which the winner will take over second place and sole possession of second place in the conference? Yeah, we it's you know what? It's really just the next opponent on the schedule. And that's no slight to Siena that we know they're very good. They beat us down at their place. I, I don't think we were playing very well. Uh, now, give them credit because McCollum wasn't playing either. He was injured at the time when they beat us. Um, we know that every game matters now. we got four games. We're home. Three out of these four games are very important when you're at home. Uh, you got to try and take care of home field. Um, and so this is the most important game. Obviously, we know CN is really good, well coached. And um, we got to be ready to go tomorrow night. And we got to execute the things that we've been working on all week in order to, in order to you know, to give us a chance to win uh, tomorrow evening. McCollum is JV on McCollum. He's Sienna's yeah. leading scorer, so he didn't play in that first game. But their big man did. Jackson Stormo had his biggest game of the season, 24 points. That was his season high. So how do you try to combat, uh, you know, Stormo's presence, but also McCollum being there when he wasn't McCollum being there the first time uh, when he wasn't there? Yeah, I, I think, you know, you know, you got to try and limit McCollum scoring. Obviously, he's such a good player that you're not going to totally shut him out. Uh, Stormo, to us, is one of the bigger keys. We know the ball goes through him, most possessions. And so we really got to do a good job of not allowing him to get to what we call his sweet spots on the court. We know where he likes the ball. We know he's in the action a ton in their offense. And um, all, our, all eyes are on him. You know what I mean? It starts with him. They're going to they're gonna get him the ball. You know, he's going to score some. He's going to find guys. We just got to mix up different things with him. We got to make it harder for him to catch it in the areas that we know he likes to catch the ball at. And on the other end, we got to make him work harder. We got to get up and down the court. We got to get him tired. We got to wear him out. And um, we got to make him earn his keep on both ends of the court. So, Coach, you mentioned it just a minute ago about these four games. I know you take it one game at a time, but – as I look at the last four games in the regular season, I notice something interesting, right? Three of the four are at home. The last game is March 4th against first place Iona. And in between there is a game at St. Peter's. So you don't have to leave the state of New Jersey for the last two weeks. Right. What's the significance of that uh, in your mind? It's been great. I mean, if you talk about some years, the schedule doesn't fall your way. Well, I felt like this year's schedule fell our way. Uh, you know, that that's why that Canisius game here was so hard to lose because you know where you are in the standings and how hard it is. And when you're home, you we, we've done a great job at home. I think we're six and three now at home, something like that. Um, this has always been a tough place for us to play a great venue, great fans. And so every opportunity out, man, we, we can't allow these games to get away from us. And so, um, being a fact that we don't really need to leave the state of New Jersey for that most for the most part has been great because we've been on the road a lot this year. We've been all over. We've been out of the country. Um, and so just to be able to get back in our own beds and kind of keep a little bit of a continuity going as far as just being here and, and in our comfort zone, it uh, you, you hope that you can take advantage of it. So for those people who have never had the pleasure, and I say the pleasure of being in Alumni Gymnasium, a.k.a. the Bronx Zoo. 
the fans are on top of the court. There's very little sideline venues there, very little room. What is that atmosphere like uh, to be there for someone who's never been there? It's great. You know, it's uh, and these guys are our fans are they're very knowledgeable. They first of all, they do me a favor by getting on the ref sometimes where I don't have to. Especially <laughs> when it's a questionable call. Um, they're knowledgeable in the fact that they're going to do their homework on our opponents. And they they dig up some things that I have no idea about. But it's all in fun. I don't think it gets personal. I, I think, you know, there's been some games this year has been loud and you know, when we were down and teams were on the free throw line, that made a difference. Um, you know, when we're making our runs, that energy makes a difference for our guys playing in front of their fans. Uh, and it's just loud in here, man. The acoustics is, you know, it, it's it's very loud in here. And so it's definitely a home court advantage. It's hot in here. And so if you've not been in a, a crowded gym and feel the heat in this gym, <laughs> it's, it's certainly an advantage for us. No question. And, and, you know, you just the way the fans, like you said, they're very knowledgeable. It gets loud in there. And that's got to be a factor, uh, whether you're home or away for humans, right? right. 72%. I know Ryder makes it a big point on their, on your athletic page. Right. Uh, over the years, you've won 72% of your home games. Nothing like home, man. I, I'll tell you, these fans have been great. They've been great to me. They've been very supportive. And even our even our professors and people that work here at the university come out. And so it's it's a family atmosphere here, but it's just it's a great supportive atmosphere for these young men. And they feed off of it. Trust me, that's why I always make sure I thank them and they acknowledge them, because without them, you know, it's it's not as much of a home court advantage for us. Yeah. Nothing like home cooking and, and nothing like seniors, coach. Yes. Uh, you return more than 70 percent of your scoring from last year. And you also have four of your five starters who are seniors. One's a junior. So what has that been like with those leaders on the court and that experience? Yeah, so we've been through a lot of games, a lot of ups, a lot of downs these past couple of years with this group. Uh, obviously, Alan Beatran and Zahirian Blue are some of the new guys for us that are playing, you know, a little bit more of a significant role, Tariq Ingram. Um, but the fact that Dwight Murray's been with us, Mervyn James, you know, Alan Powell, um, Ajiri Ogayumo, you know, th those guys have played a lot of games for us. And we've been in a lot of games, even including this year. I don't think there's been many games that we've been out of, including the high major games. Um, and when you've had a chance to have gone and played in a lot of these games, win or lose, we just understand. I mean, in that eight-game winning streak, there were some games like a Fairfield. At Fairfield, we're down by five with 34 seconds. We don't panic. We understand we've been in this place during these timeouts. We don't panic because we just remind ourselves, hey, fellas, we're, there's never a lead that's too big against us. And uh, But yet we don't like to put ourselves in that position. But we also understand one possession at a time. I know it's cliche, but we also understand that um, – we have the ability to come back on any of our opponents. We're never out of a game for the most part. We've had guys that hit big shots along the way. And uh, I, I think that's helped us. And I think it'll help us as we continue to go down the stretch here. Yeah. Alan Powell, Mervyn James, you have guys who are capable of leading you in scoring any given night. Right. The one player who's done it the most consistently is Dwight Murray Jr. Mm -hmm. Who's averaging 16 and a half points a game. And he's put himself in position to really be first team all Mac. Yeah, you, you know, we're not – we've been there and done all of that. It, it's at a time now that 
it's all about our team. It's all about putting the individual accolades aside and the bigger goal. And DJ has said this since last year. He's kind of put me as a coach in a little bit of a bind and said, we're going to win this thing. We were supposed to go undefeated, you know, but um, that's just a very confident young man. Um, you know, he understands that uh, this team is very close. Uh, and like I said earlier, we've been in a lot of games. These guys, when I say close, they're just not close on the court. They're close off the court. We've had an opportunity to do a lot of team bonding with this team. We went to York this past summer, and then we go. The league put on an event in Ireland that we were able to go. Obviously, we didn't have the success that we would like to have had there. But, um, again, when you can have these opportunities to spend as much time as we've spent with one another throughout this year, and like you talked about, returning guys, just these guys know one another. They're able to hold one another accountable. They're able to coach themselves. They're able to be coached by me. At times I get on them a great deal because I know what it is that, you know, they're trying to get accomplished. And sometimes we exhale, we relax a little bit. And that's when I got to, you know, get on these guys and remind them what we talked about in, in our vision and our goal, where we want to be. So um, we're all on the same page as a team and, uh, we're all well connected and, and I, I've never had a team as close as this team has been, you know, for the past couple of years. How about the grind of the, the non-conference schedule? Uh, you open the year at Providence and you're up 10, right? I'm sure that's a game you'd, you'd like to have back, but but you only lost that game by one. Right. And and maybe that set the tone for the season. You know, you close lost to Georgia. You played Rutgers. So how about these games against high majors? and how that's prepared you for what's to come in the in the regular season and postseason in the MAC. Yeah, well, first and foremost, we just don't play them just to, just to say we played them, right? We've won our share of games. Uh, we had the ball at the end of the game, at the Providence game, Alan, to, to take the lead or to win the game. Alan Powell actually tripped over. I, I don't know. He fell. Um, the Georgia game, the ball went out on them. I'll say it till, till, till I'm blue in the face. The ball went out on them. The people at the scores table knew it. The refs went to the scores table, reviewed it, and gave them back the ball. We were down by two. We were going to have an opportunity to at least give ourselves a chance to either tie it or win that game. Um, and, and again, I'm not. I think the refs are great. I'm not criticizing them. Just what I saw, and I saw it on the jumbotron, and I knew it originally when it first happened that the ball went out on them. Um, and so. We put ourselves in position to have a chance to win. Obviously, the Rutgers game was a little different. I'm not making any excuses, but a day and a half later, we're coming back from York. Oh, yeah. Ireland haven't played that game. I don't think we were ready to play. I know, not that I don't think, we weren't ready to play that game. Um, but again, that was a game that, you know, is it a rivalry game, so to speak. Maybe not for them, but it's a school in the state of New Jersey that we want to go up against and Obviously, you have our chance to try and win some of those games. We have beaten Rutgers in our history here in in our in my 17 years as an assistant coach and a head coach, uh, and they're they're doing great over there. But we've had a chance to play these games, and we've been in a lot of these games, you know. So um, that all prepares you to say, hey, you know, if we could play these teams and play them as close as we have, then we think we have a chance in our league to be one of the better teams in the league. And now you got to go out and you got to do it, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, here we are with four games left uh, to see where we fall, you know. And, and again, whether it's first or second or third, I'm not sure. Fourth, who knows? 
But every, every, you know, one game at a time, and we know that we're good enough. And if we're clicking and everybody's playing as a team, we know we're good enough to have a chance to win this thing at the end. Will we? I don't know. That remains to be seen. Time remains to be seen. Well, they have been through the wars, coach. And, you know, not making excuses. I, w- I was at that Rutgers game, and I knew you guys were, you know, right. less than 48 hours after a long trip over in Europe. And, and right. that can take its toll on anyone. So. Absolutely. End of the season, your tournament, the MAC tournament, is in Atlantic City. So how do you like that setup? Oh, I love it. In my 17 years, we were supposed to have this tournament here in Trenton some 15 years ago, and it kind of fell apart, which would have been good for us. And so this is the first time in my 17 years that we've been close enough to say that it's not a long trip. We Our fans can come out. Uh, it's a great venue because there's a lot to do in Atlantic City. If you're a gambler, obviously you can gamble. Mm-hmm. Being the people that are traveling in, not the players. Um, great restaurants, great outlet stores. Uh, the Atlantic 10 was there. Their, their, their conference tournament was there for a long time. And uh, I used to go to that. I thought it was great then. And um, I just hope that, you know, they give it a, a serious consideration to – re-up it again you know obviously the first year it it was there we hit through the pandemic and then they ended up um you know canceling the rest of the tournament which hurt and then i thought the second year we were still kind of coming out of that post-covid where we this last year was the first year that really everybody had a chance to see what atlantic city had to offer i think they're going to see it even in a better uh light this year being that all the fans around we're no longer in mask and what have you um, and so I'm just hoping that it, this will be something where everybody realizes, hey, you know what? It's, it's pretty. It's a pretty good place to host a, uh, a the MAC tournament. Uh, it is. And and by the way, you mentioned gambling. Uh, for the for the fans out there who are listening, you cannot bet on New Jersey teams. So don't think you can go there and place a bet on Ryder. Okay, let's make yeah. that clear. <laughs> correct. 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 Uh, <laughs> but there's plenty of other things to do there. And listen, for years, right? You were going up to. I, I was in that building when when you'd go up to Albany yes. and it seemed like a home court advantage for yes. Siena, you know, and they'd get nine, ten thousand there. So, right. you know, there is that. Um, how can I put this? There is that uh, interest in Mac basketball. It's not the Big East or the ACC or the right. Big Ten, but you can get an arena that might seat six, seven, eight thousand, ten thousand and, and get a good amount of people in there and it can get loud. Absolutely. When we were in the semifinal game after having beaten Iona, our, our, our fans were really great. It was a great atmosphere playing uh, Monmouth in the semifinals. Both were actually, you know what happened? It was three teams in the finals, semifinals, um, us, St. Peter's and Monmouth, which yeah. was, you know, a rarity. And so we had a ton of, you know, Jersey schools and fans turning out, which was which was what you would hope if you're here in New Jersey. And you, it, it was just, I wouldn't call it a home court advantage, but it was great for the Jersey schools who were tired of traveling to the Fairfields and Albany and everywhere else we've had this tournament in my 17 years that I've been in this league. So you mentioned it, Coach. You've had a, a, a nice career. You started out as a uh, as an assistant under Tommy Dempsey and then took over in 2012. So you've been there as a head coach for 11 years, twice you were named Mac Coach of the Year, 175 wins, closing in on, you know, 200s right around the corner. Pretty impressive resume, Coach. I appreciate it. You know what? It's it's never been about me. It's been the blessing that, um, first of all, 
God knows my heart and knows that what I'm trying to get accomplished with these young men in terms of making sure, one, we help them come in and grow as men. We help them get their education, which is first and foremost. I know with the NILs and everything out here these days, no one really cares about the academics and, you know, getting their education. That's still very important to me and a lot of coaches. Um, and then just the young men that we've had in our program. My, my, I got to give my staff a great deal of credit who does a really good job of helping us recruit in these young men that we get in our program who are talented. Um, you know, we have a ton of guys still playing professionally. We've had Jason Thompson, who's now on my staff, who was yeah. in the NBA. And, um, you know, what's I, that like, coach? Sorry to interrupt oh, you, but, but what's oh, yeah. it like to have a player like Jason Thompson, who was an NBA, you know, a, a very good NBA player with the Kings? You know what? I Because I can't tell him about what it's like to go from high school to college to the NBA. That that just hasn't been it wasn't my journey. And so Jason could tell him about it because he came from Ryder. He played in, under me. Uh, when I hear him talk to our guys is some of the things that I used to talk to him about. So that's refreshing. Um, and he knows what it takes. He, he knows exactly what it's going to take. There are no guarantees. We know that 1% of, you know, the kids coming out of college, NCAA Division One basketball or Division Two, Division Three, that's all that's going to make it. And so the rest of them have opportunities overseas and most of them are going to go and, and work the rest of their lives. And so um, they just have had great experiences. We don't get a lot of kids that come in and transfer because we we do things right. We hold them accountable. We're, we're honest with them. I'm a very honest coach, sometimes to a fault to them. But you know what? I don't know any other way other than to be honest, because when the, when it comes time for them to get into the real world, I don't want to mislead them with anything. I want them to be as much prepared as I can to get them there. And then now it's on them to go forward from there. And, you know, a lot, most of our guys come back, they support our program, whether they come back to go to games or come back to speak to our guys or, or do a little bit of both or making donations to back to our program as Jason did an unbelievable job making huge donations back for us to have nice offices, nice locker rooms and a great practice facility, which a lot of mid-majors don't have. And so, um, it's just been a blessing for me, and I thank the administration. You know, I, the, the one thing that's been left off of my resume to this point, I've done everything else. I've been in a CBI several times, a CIT several times. 2018, we won the league and lost in conference play. So we went to the NIT. We played Oregon down the stretch in the first round. Only thing that escapes me to this point is getting to the NCAA tournament. And so that's something that I, I am so passionate about because – I just want to reward all of these people here at the university that have been patient with me. I want to reward our fans. I want to reward our players and those that have played in this program to be prideful and understand that everything we do, our thoughts are on all of those people that I just mentioned that, uh, that touch Ryder University and Ryder University men's basketball. Yeah, three NCAA tournament appearances. Uh, you think about those banners when you go into the gym, Coach? All day long. I, mm -hmm. I, I said this to our guys the other day. You know, right before the announcements or, or, or they are announcing the starters, you know, I'm sitting there looking up at the wall. And, and the one thing, as I said, that's missing up there under my tenure is that NCAA tournament appearance. And so that's always on my mind. And I and I, I don't think they even knew that. They were like, you really do that? I said, yeah, I do, because that's the one thing that's missing. And so um, that's a huge burden to carry every year that you know, you're the head coach here and, I, and I'm so desperately and passionately put a lot of pressure on myself to 
you know, try and get us there. And that's why we've been, you know, outside of the two pandemic years where we struggled with the recruiting and not being able to get out, we've had more often than not, we've been in the top half of the league. And so I've been fortunate because it hasn't been about me. It's been about the young men and the coaches and everybody associated with our program. Hey, it's it's so hard. It's so hard in a one-bid league to not only win the regular season, but then have to turn around and, and win three games yeah. and yeah. get to the NCAA tournament. Just ask Rick Pitino, ask ask any great coach who's who's been through this league and right. Ed Cooley and Kevin Willard. You know, they, they've all been through this league and how, and how challenging it is for them. Yeah, and I tell people, if you go back and you look at our history, you know, Kevin Willard, I knew, was a great coach in this league at Iona. Most people don't realize he never even got to the championship, right? I, I think he may have one round, maybe won one or two rounds and ended up getting over to Seton Hall and then to Maryland. Obviously, he's we. I knew he was an unbelievable coach, but, you know, it, it, he went on. I mean, it's hard. I, I, I read it, something that Coach Patino posted out there not long ago with social media. He feels the pressure more, you know, of being in a mid-major in the conference tournament than he did when he was at a high major. So that just speaks volumes of you got 11 teams in it and you have a low percentage or a low chance of getting to the tournament. Everything's got to go right. You know, we've had our blunders. We've had injuries going in. We, we've had everything that could go wrong. And so eventually the, the odds got to stack up for me where everything ends up going right. And we end up finally cutting those nets down. All right, coach. Well, listen, it's, it's probably something you've rehearsed over and over in your head, but I know right now the focus is on Siena. Yes. Uh, busy day, busy couple of, you know, 20, 24 hours ahead of you. And I really appreciate you taking time to come on the podcast. And it's been a pleasure seeing you once again. And we will be following Ryder, not only on Friday, but throughout the rest of the regular season and in the MAC tournament. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. All right. Kevin Baggett, the head coach of Ryder men's basketball. They are right there in the thick of things in the MAC conference as we try to get four maybe even five NCAA teams from New Jersey for the first time ever. There are teams in position. We know this. Rutgers is the most likely team, but we've talked about it here on the podcast. Princeton is right there in the Ivy League. Ryder's right there in the MAC. FDU is right there in the Northeast Conference, and Seton Hall has a lot of work to do, but the opportunity is still there for them. Three wins in their final three games should get them to the NCAA tournament as an at-large team. We have a big weekend ahead of college hoops. It all tips off Friday night. Siena at Ryder. Xavier at Seton Hall in a must-win for the Pirates. UConn at St. John's at MSG. FDU hosting St. Francis of Brooklyn. The races are tight. The teams are there. Enjoy the games, everyone. I know I will. My name is Brian DeNovellis. We'll catch you next time right here on the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast.